Good morning, Journey. All right, you guys are awake. It's cold, there's snow outside, it's a beautiful day. You guys are awake. I'm excited. My name is Aaron. I am the youth and associate pastor here at Journey Church, and uh, it has been a privilege to... Uh, I'm excited because next month is three years that we have been here with you guys, seeing the things that God has been doing, and sometimes it's like, oh, wow, it's three years already, and then other times it's like, oh, it's only been three years? Because we're family, right? You guys felt that, didn't you? It was warm, like you had like a Grinch moment, didn't you? Everybody, some of you, I could see it was like, oh, my heart grew three sizes. Go to the doctor immediately. Um, get that checked out. Uh, we've been in a series called uh, The Power to Change for the last few weeks, and Pastor Ken has been sharing some uh, powerful things with us. And, and here's kind of the, the theme that we've been seeing through this is it isn't us, it's God in us, right? We, we don't have the, enough willpower or tenacity or uh, moxie, gumption, whatever you may want to call it, uh, to be able to actually change ourselves uh, all on our own, so we need God in all of this. So as we're continuing through this this morning, remember, all of this is with God. This is with Him. And so uh, we've, Pastor Ken and I both have uh, read this book, The Power to Change. I recommend it. Uh, a couple of the, what I call, uh, grandchildren of other books that I've read from that have been, uh, have been absolutely fantastic, and several of them are mentioned in The Power to Change. And so I, I recommend reading that and letting God just kind of stir in you. And last week, Pastor Ken talked about, uh, we do what we do because of what you think of you, or not we, but you, right? So it's, you do what you do because of what you think of you. And, and that's something that, that is important, that is our, it's our mindset, and it is what we're allowing to, to rest and reside in our minds. And so today we're going to be talking about harvesting and planting. And a statement that you're going to hear a number of different times is going to be, if I don't like what I'm harvesting, I can change what I'm planting. If I don't like what I'm harvesting, I can change what I'm planting. Or if I don't like what I'm uh, getting as a return, I can change what I'm investing Right, so maybe that that strikes with you. Um, I I like the uh, the harvesting planting mentality. I, I grew up on a farm, and and so being in in rural Ohio, I'm I'm hoping that harvesting and planting connects. All right, so. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 6, just to kind of give you an overview of where we're headed. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 6. We're also going to uh, look at Nehemiah and his story and what God did in and through him, and then how that applies to us and what God is speaking to us about the power to change, right? So that's kind of where we're going to go. So you've got an overview of our roadmap, and uh, we're going to jump into Galatians chapter 6. But first, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to be in your house with your people. Holy Spirit, have your way. Impact us, change us, transform us, use us. We're available to you. In your name, amen. Galatians chapter 6. This is in verses 7 and 9. Galatians 6, 7 through 9. It starts right off, do not be fooled. And maybe you'd be like, oh, that sounds a little bit offensive. Maybe you like uh, hornswoggled bamboozled, flimflammed, all right? Don't be fooled. You cannot cheat God. That's a powerful statement. What a way to start off a passage. You cannot cheat God. People harvest only what they plant, 
If they plant to satisfy their sinful selves, their sinful selves will bring them ruin. But if they plant to please the Spirit, they will receive eternal life from the Spirit. We must not become tired of doing good. We will receive our harvest of eternal life at the right time if we do not give up. So that's where the, the, the power of our statement that we're talking about today, if I don't like what I'm harvesting, I can change what I'm planting. And, and we see this through a really cool story in Nehemiah. There's a book called Nehemiah. And as a kid, for me, we had these, I don't know if some of you remember this, these like flashcards. And my parents would go through, and it was all the books of the Bible. And they had these flashcards. And it would be this picture that if you said the picture right or the picture triggered a memory, you would be able to know what book of the Bible it was. And on the back, it had like a little synopsis, a little summary of what it was. And so I always remember Nehemiah as Nehemiah because of this picture. And it was confusing as a kid because I was like, is he related to Goliath? Because he wasn't a good dude. But here he is, Nehemiah, building a wall. So that's how I remember Nehemiah built the wall because he built it. But it was actually higher than that, okay? So, you know, he, was, he wasn't a giant. And so there's other things to remember. But this is just where my mind goes. This is how I remember things. And so Nehemiah built the wall. And um, we're not going to get too much into this next photo, but I just want to let you know where we are in history as we're talking about Nehemiah. And I know that this is a lot, and I apologize. But in this upper corner over here, you see Nehemiah. And he is overlapping and intersecting with Ezra above him, Esther, Mordecai. We know a lot of those characters and a lot of what's going on. And all of this is taking place after Jerusalem has been destroyed, after there's been the exile, after they've all been taken away from the destroyed city of Jerusalem and they're scattered across these different nations. And those nations get destroyed and captured. And those people that were there, they get taken to a new nation. And so Israel is disbanded. Israel is scattered. And we see a lot of that through the story of Esther. And you hear some of that in the book of Ezra as they begin to come back together. And so God begins to do something really cool in the story of Nehemiah. And just so this is just so that you know where we are in history, that we are many, many, many years after Aaron and Moses way over there and the kings of Israel and Judah in the center. And everything has been destroyed. The people are laid to waste. The city is laid to waste. And it has been centuries since this has all been done. And now here we are. Jerusalem is destroyed. Nehemiah is, uh, is a, a young man, and he is in the, the king's company. He is a cupbearer, and uh, that seems like a, a dangerous job. If you don't know what a cupbearer is, he tastes the king's wine and goes, I'm still alive, so you'll be fine. Right? That's... Oh, man, I don't even, I don't like drinking after people, so I don't even, but I get it. You know, the king was, felt threatened, all of this stuff. And so he is in the company of the king, and it's been, uh, it's been many, many years since Jerusalem has been destroyed, uh, and the, the walls have not been rebuilt. The city is actually uh, still destroyed, homes in absolute rubble, and there, there had been a, 
a remnant that had been building and working on the temple. And that had only recently been done, but the walls weren't rebuilt. Nobody actually lived in Jerusalem at this time. People lived scattered around the city, but nobody actually lived in Jerusalem. And so, so we see Nehemiah here. He, he knows of this. He, he's heard of all of this, uh, maybe in the back of his mind, but he has someone come and visit a family member, and they come and they share what is going on. Jerusalem is not doing well. Jerusalem is still destroyed. Jerusalem is, is laid to waste. Nobody lives in Jerusalem right now, where we ought to be living. And so God begins to change something in Nehemiah. He, begin, he begins to twist something that once he had, been, he had known of and been comfortable in and been aware of, and it had been part of his life, now things have changed. God's going, let's make this right. Let's no longer live in what we've always known. And so Nehemiah, he gets, he gets the king's permission. He gets, uh, he gets people rallied together. He has a plan. And they go, and they go to Jerusalem to see what is taking place. He inspects everything. He looks at everything. And after uh, over 140 years of the, the walls being destroyed and everything being laid to waste, nobody living in Jerusalem... Nehemiah shows up with a team of people and a plan and is prepared for opposition and moves forward in the calling that God has placed on him. And in 52 days, they build the walls around Jerusalem. Now, you might be like, oh, that's kind of cool. Well, let me tell you, it is over 1,600 meters of walls. That is 0.99 miles. That is just barely. Maybe if they did one more brick, it would have been in a full mile, right? But it is, and, and we're not talking walls like the walls that we have here because the walls there were, for the city, were between 16 feet and 26 feet. These walls here aren't even that thick in inches. These are massive walls. Some of these walls would have been over 20 feet at different points. And then they also had 10 different gates, and you can see these. The, I think it's kind of interesting that the dung gate is at the bottom. That's youth ministry humor for you. You're welcome. There's all these gates, all this, all this pathway, all these routes to go and to build these, this wall. This is, this is something that the people were not able to do on their own. They had Maybe they had even tried. Maybe they had even said, well, we, you know, Nehemiah could have been there. And he, why haven't we done more? Oh, well, we tried. And maybe, maybe in your life, like in mine, there's been things that you've, you've been trying to change. And maybe you, need to, maybe you need to stop trying. The great Master Yoda says, do or do not. There is no try. Right? Wise words great franchise the original the original three yeah amen right so maybe you need to stop trying maybe you need to begin training training and trying are very different things trying is an attempt to change with minimal effort training is a wholehearted commitment to achieve a specific result Training takes building a plan. Trying takes nothing but empty words. 
I can, I can try from the comfort of my bed. I'm going to try and do that today, but not really. It's warm in here. But if I'm training and I have a plan and I have others that I'm responsible to and, and they are holding me accountable, I move from trying to training in a very different approach. Nehemiah chapter 4 is where we see uh, Nehemiah experience opposition. So in each time that there is an attempt to change, when we go from trying to training and we want to see God change something in us, opposition takes place. In, in my own life, I had, a, I had a, a life and a lifestyle before Christ. And when God began to move and call me to change, those that had been a part of that lifestyle with me were in opposition to that. Not because they wanted the best for me, but because they wanted me to maintain the status quo with them. And Nehemiah here, he begins to experience opposition from outside the city because people don't want to see him succeed. The next chapter, Nehemiah chapter 5, Nehemiah experiences opposition from his own people. We see all through the Old Testament that the Israelites are very adept at complaining, right? Any, anybody complain this week? Yeah, a few of you are complaining about having to raise your hand about complaining today? Yeah, all right, I hear you, my people. So here he is. Opposition from outside the city. Opposition inside the city. Some, some leaders were not on board with what was going on. But Nehemiah had a plan for each and everything. Not because he was trying really hard, but because he had been training and preparing because of what God had been giving him to do. I know that this is what God has spoken to me. I know that this is where God is calling me. And so I'm not going to just try. I'm going to have a plan and I'm going to train and I'm going to be prepared. And so then we move on to Nehemiah chapter 6. And if you've heard the story of Nehemiah, you know that they, they worked with weapons while working with their tools. They would be carrying equipment and they would have a sword or a spear in their hand. Or they would have it strapped to their belt. They, they had a hammer in one hand, a sword in the other. They, they were working and being prepared for opposition. And just in doing that prevented a lot of opposition. So being prepared for that, having a plan for opposition. Change brings opposition. The enemy doesn't want change in your life. He wants you to continue in, in the continue harvesting what you've been harvesting. He wants you to continue planting what you've been planting. He wants to see you miserable and discouraged. And God calls us to rebuild. God calls us to change. God calls us to something greater. God calls us to return to him, much like the Israelites are returning to Jerusalem. That's what God is doing. And either way, these things are difficult. If we choose to stay in and harvest what we've always harvested, that's going to be difficult. Those are difficult things. Following God in change, that's going to be difficult also. So we choose, we choose which difficulty we want. Nehemiah and his people, they didn't like what they were harvesting. 
So they changed what they were planting. They understood the, the need to rebuild. They understood the need for a plan. And another thing that we see in this is that for over 140 years, generations of people have been living around this destroyed city. They have become comfortable. Comfortable with the destruction. Comfortable with the rubble. Comfortable in just the, the broken surroundings. I know there have been times in my life where I've been comfortable in my broken surroundings. And it takes God speaking to me. Change what you're planting, Aaron. I have something better for you to harvest. I would imagine that they had lost heart for change. To remain in brokenness that long. They had lost heart. But Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6, he speaks right to that. And I love this passage. In fact, this... Uh, Little side note, God does something each year in, in our family, and, and so we, we sit and we talk now that our kids are getting older. We sit and we talk this through with them, and we say, hey, we, we believe that God has a word for us for this year. Not that like we're like naming it and claiming it. Some of those things are difficult things. They've been difficult words. Uh, but then there's always been a passage that God has brought in to, uh, to kind of solidify that. And back in November or December, God was speaking to me, and I was like, man, I, I, Lord, I really feel like the word is build, but I don't get it. It's weird. It's, I, I don't understand how it connects to anything. And, you know, the other ones I've, have made sense, but it, that just kept coming back, kept coming back, and God kept speaking that to me. And then in, in studying and reading through Nehemiah again and going through all this, this passage right here, it is on my mirror. It is our passage for my family for this year. And it says, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. People who had lost heart worked with all their heart. They saw God moving, and it, and it built faith, and it built courage, and it built tenacity. And with all their heart, they began to build. They began to work. They began to see change take place. They began to realize that what they were going to be harvesting was going to be different because they had begun to plant something new. That's what God does. Craig Rochelle says, if you change your behavior but don't change your heart, the behavior will come back. If you change your behavior but don't change your heart, the behavior will come back. So if you don't like what you're harvesting, you can change what you're planting. We're not stuck having to continue to, to live in what we are living in today. If God is calling you to change, it is not something that you just need to try harder. It's not about willpower. It's not about being tough. It's about surrendering to him. It's about acknowledging that, Lord, I can't do this on my own, and I need you. So we looked at Galatians, we, we heard about planting and harvesting, we looked in Nehemiah and the significance of that and what all of that means, and, and so how does this apply to us? How does this apply to, to you and I? Well, there's, there's three things that from this that we can glean. And the first would be, ask God to change your heart. Much like Nehemiah and the Israelites they needed God to change their hearts. They had become familiar and comfortable in their broken surroundings. They needed God to change their hearts. 
We need God to change our heart. Psalm chapter 51, verse 10 through 12. You may recognize this as a song as well. It says, Create in me a pure heart, God, and make my spirit right again. Do not send me away from you or take your Holy Spirit away from me. Give me back the joy of your salvation. Keep me strong by giving me a willing spirit. Man, create in me a clean heart, oh God. That's what I want. I want God to continue to create in me a clean heart. The things of this world are going to try and taint it, make it dirty, cloud the, the vision, the plan that God has. So Lord, clean my heart. So the first is ask God to change your heart. The second is create a new habit. Create a new habit. Now, for me, to establish a new habit, I have to have, I have, to have help. I have to have what, uh, what are called action reminders. Um, an action reminder would mean that when this is happening or when this thing takes place, that activity, that action reminds me to do my new habits or to build on my new habit. An example, uh, for me, I'm, when I am brushing my teeth, I am, I am praying a specific way for certain people. When I am shampooing my luscious beard, I am praying for other people and other areas of ministry. When I am, when I am uh, getting dressed and getting ready for leaving the house, I'm, those things make me remember to pray for others. So there are different categories, different groups of people that I am praying for, and you guys are a part of that group. That as I'm getting ready, I'm going, Lord, be in our life groups. Be with our life group leaders, our ministries. Be with our, our congregation. Be in our kids' ministry. God, move. Holy Spirit, have your way. May they experience you while at work today. And, and those things don't just happen. I can try to pray, but when I have a, a new habit for me, a new action reminder that while I'm doing this, I'm going to be doing this. It helps me. So when, whatever it may be, when blank happens, then I will blank. Right? Good? This is yes. This is no. All right. Cool. We're good. All right. So the first one, again, was ask God to change your heart. Number two was create a new habit. Number three, Pastor Ken has already mentioned this a couple of times throughout this series. You need others. We need each other. We're, there are no Rambos, as great of a movie series as that is. There are no real Rambos. We cannot have spiritual Rambos taking place. We need a team. We need others around us. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 10 says... Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the fool who falls and has no one to help them up. So many good things from the 80s. Thank you, Lord. So ask God to change your heart. Create a new habit. Surround yourself with others, other godly men and women that, that are pursuing Christ. 
Maybe there, there will be some, some opposition, but man, God has prepared you for that. He has equipped you for opposition with his son, with his Holy Spirit. We're not left alone in this. Something that we do uh, on Tuesday nights with, uh, with the youth and, um, is we, we break into these table groups and we have table discussions. Don't worry, we're not rolling in tables, all right? We're not going to make you guys break into groups right now. These are just some questions, and this is how we, we operate on Tuesday nights uh, with our students. But we have some questions that we ask just to get conversation going. Sometimes in just asking an obvious question, we can have an in-depth conversation that pushes us, challenges someone else in their pursuit of Christ. So these are some of the questions that naturally come for me when, when looking through this, uh, this passage and, and this, um, this series. First question is obvious. What are you harvesting? What are you harvesting? Maybe you need to think about that. I ask myself that, Lord, what, what am I harvesting? Is this something that I'm enjoying? Is this something that I need to start changing when I'm planting? What do you need to stop or start planting? And then who is someone you know who is pursuing God that you can ask to help you? And it just builds on our, our three things, asking God to change our heart, creating a new habit, and needing others. And so maybe as you are going through uh, the rest of your day today, if you go and you have lunch with your significant other or some friends or whatever, maybe, maybe ask one of these questions. See what happens. Maybe God will spark something to change in your life. I think, the, I think one of the most important things is, is the reminder that it isn't, it isn't about our willpower. That is a, that is a limited resource. Willpower is often really strong in the morning. I'm not going to eat donuts. <laughs> Lunchtime rolls around. I, I haven't eaten donuts. I'm doing great. And then all the donuts are gone at dinner because they were delicious. Our willpower is a limited resource. So we need God. We need to stop trying and start training. God, train me. What do I need to change to train? So if you would, please stand with me this morning. We've been talking about the power to change and what God can do. So my, my prayer, my prayer for you is that, that God would, would show you something, that God would help you build a plan, that if you don't have somebody in your life who is a godly influence and a godly person that could come alongside you much like with Nehemiah and, and help build that wall and help repel opposition, that God would bring somebody into your life. Pastor Ken talked about that even uh, a couple of weeks ago that praying for somebody, praying that God would send a friend, praying that God would send somebody to challenge, praying that God would send somebody to stand alongside. Lord, be with us. We need you. We need others around us. So as we're, as we're closing this morning, our, our prayer team, we have some prayer team members that they would come this morning. If you need prayer, if you're coming in this, this morning going, God, I just, I just need you. Whether it's 
surrounding the sermon or not, you need prayer, you need healing, whatever it may be, we've got, we've got team members up here that would love to pray with you, to see God move in and through you, to see God transform and change you as we pursue him together. So before you go today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray a blessing over you. Remember those, those connect cards? We've got some people in the back that are going to be collecting those. But Jesus, in your holy name, Jesus, may you have your hand upon each and every person under the sound of my voice. Lord, may they be available to be used by you. Lord, surround them with others that are pursuing you. God, create in them a clean heart, each and every one of us. Jesus, create in me a clean heart. Lord, may we realize and remember that it is not, it is not our willpower, it's not our toughness, it is surrender. So we turn all of this over to you, Lord. Have your way, Jesus. Bless them as they go this week. Holy Spirit, that you would anoint them, that you would rest upon them, that you would be in the midst of their conversation, their coming and their going, their work, their family time. Lord, may they experience your peace that goes beyond what makes sense. Thank you, Jesus. In your holy name, amen. Have a wonderful rest of your week. We love you. See you next Sunday.